Thanks for joining us today for our Freedom Podcast. We are excited to grow with you. Today, you will hear a message from the life-changing Word of God. We hope this podcast adds value to your everyday life. If you want to find out more about this ministry, visit our website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I want to kind of dive into our message here this morning. I'm kind of continuing the thought, and I told you this last week. I told you, I don't know how long this thought's going to go, but we're going to continue moving forward this morning in this train of thought about the fact that we're living in between two prophecies, right? We're living, and I talked a little bit about this last week, how we're living in between two prophecies, the, the coming of Jesus, the first coming of Jesus, in which he came as a baby, right? Six pound, four ounce baby Jesus, right? The first coming of Jesus, and then you have the second coming of Jesus where he's, he's going to be a lot more than six pounds and four ounces, right? He's going to come back as a ruler and reigner on a horse, and he's going to come back for his people, right? And so we're living in between the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. How many know that you want to get the first coming right and acknowledge that he died for you, Right? So that the second coming means a whole lot more. If you don't get the first one right, the second coming is going to be a rude awakening. For the believer, it's going to be a joyful time. It's that blessed hope. It's that chance that we get to be reunited with our Messiah, with our Savior, with our Lord. That's a good thing, right? But if you don't know that he came the first time and you don't acknowledge what he did the first time he came, the second time is going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. Because just as much as there is a very real heaven, there is a very real hell. Pastor Tony, you're not supposed to say that word because you might scare people. Yes. Some would say, scare the out of you. No, 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 no. Listen, it's not, that's not the point. The point is that there's truth and there's a, 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 a kind of a smothered over sweet, let's make everything fun and dandy. As long as we all just sing around and sing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya, that somehow everything's going to be okay. Friends, that's not what the Bible says. And I would not be your pastor. I would not be the one preaching truth to you if I allowed you to believe that. And so here's what I'm going to tell you. Get the first Adam right. Get the first. Come on. If you get the, 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 the understanding that we are all born in sin, and we needed Jesus. And so when he first came, when Jesus first came, he was destroying the curse of Adam. So his birth, in essence, set up the beauty of his second coming. His first coming, the first prophecy of the Messiah being born. A virgin shall conceive. Remember we talked about that last week? That second coming means so much more. It means such a great promise and that we have to look at it. 
And so we talked about how during Christmas time, everybody wants to mention the Jesus in the manger. And then that what we often forget is that he's no longer in a manger. He rules and reigns beside the Father. And once again, he will return. And when he returns, he's looking for people that have accepted him. And he will separate those that have accepted him from those that have rejected him. And that is the honest to God truth. That is the honest to Bible truth. My Bible is very clear, just like your Bible should be. That, that there was a day that Jesus will crack the eastern sky and he will return for his people again. The second coming, it's getting closer than it was last week. Come on, we're seven days closer than the last time I preached this message. Come on, some of you, some of you are like, yes, pastor. Mathematically, that is correct. But if you're looking at the word closer, you'll realize that some of the things I'm about to share with you, they're really touching base right now. The wars and rumors of wars, the pestilences. I won't go into too deep on some of those things because uh, that's not the intent of this particular message. But I want to talk about how, what do we do in between these two prophecies? I talked a little bit about how angels will long to see that. And I love how uh, someone came to me at the end of last, uh, last week, the end of last um, service, George came to me and shared something special. And, and I wish I could kind of uh, put it the way he put it to me. But he was talking about how the angels uh, long to look into these things and, and how even when Jesus was born, and that he was born in that, that city, uh, Bethlehem. He was there, and he was there, and when he was there, that there was a, a, a legion of angels that, that declared who Jesus was, and, and that was a sight to see, wasn't it? Can you imagine? The angels long to see. Not just that, and they, they, they saw the first coming, but guess what? The angels will also line up to see the second coming. And so we talked about the Old Testament and the New Testament. If this side would be the Old Testament, right? And, and this side is the New Testament. What's going on in the middle? What's going on in between these two things? We learned that sin entered the world in Genesis, yes, in the beginning. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who was he talking to? He was talking directly to Satan and saying, you know what? You, you as believers are going to be able to watch Satan be crushed by, the, by, by what Jesus did on the cross. Did you know that? Did you know that it's not God and Satan? Did you know that he's not even on his level? Some of you approach the enemy this way. It's not God and Satan. It's God and Satan. He's, he can't even touch him. He's a created being that will suffer in eternity away and apart from the things of God. He will never, ever see the glory of God again. God is supreme over all. There's nothing that touches him. Satan is way down here. And he will have to answer for everything he does, just like we will. And friend, get this right. Jesus came and died for you. Get this right. If you get that wrong, everything I'm about to say doesn't matter. Because two books will be opened one day. The book of life 
and the book of works. And they will, each of us will stand before the throne. And one will be the great white throne. And one will be the judgment seat of Christ. Depending if you're a non-believer or a believer. And I'm telling you right now, you want to get this right. You want to know who Jesus is and get your name in the book. Are you with me? Get your name in the book. What is that book? The book of life. Every name that has been said, every person that gave their life to Jesus is written in the Lamb's book of life. You want to get this right. You want to get that part of the prophecy right. Pastor Tony, this is, this is tough. I thought you were just going to preach something nice. Tell us about what is to come. Maybe some insight. I'll get there. But I got to tell you that none of these things matter if you don't know who Jesus is. There's no blessed hope. There's going to be a blessed mess if you don't know who Jesus is. How many ever lived a blessed mess? Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, you don't know my life then. I've been living a blessed mess a long time ago. Some of you are like, have you seen my family? No, no, okay. So, Hey, that's the glory of Jesus, isn't it? That he can walk into our blessed mess and fix it. But we have to invite him. Invite him into your blessed mess. And he will turn that blessed mess into a blessed hope. How many want that for your lives? You want the blessed mess or the blessed hope? That's another message. That's another message. Maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe we'll tag team that message one day. Blessed mess or blessed hope? Pick a side, pick a side. Virgin shall conceive. That's blow, that would blow people's mind. Remember how we talked about last week how the Old Testament prophets would write things down and they're like, I don't know what this means. What does that mean? That means that there are things in your life right now, you, 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 that you are going through that you won't understand. But that's okay because God is in full control and he knows exactly what they mean. Talked about wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Right? What all those things meant when the prophet wrote them, he didn't know what they meant. And then we went to the blessed hope, and that's what we picked up here today. We talked a little bit about a blessed hope. Blessed hope is not maybe it will happen hope. You remember that? Blessed hope is not maybe. Blessed hope is not I really hope I get the answers right on this test hope. How many ever prayed? Now let me show hands. And some of you are going to lie. You're not even going to raise your hand. You know where I'm going with this, right? How many of you sat at a desk where your teacher handed out a, a, a piece of paper and said, here's your test, here's your pop quiz or whatever, and they handed it out and you prayed like you never prayed before because you didn't even look at the information. You prayed like, God, I pray you cheat for me right now. Because that's what you prayed, right? You didn't say it like that. Come on, cheat for me, Holy Ghost. Just... If it's a Scantron, remember Scantron? Remember, remember, remember Scantron? Abacadabra. Abacadabra. Lord, let, let me be led. Let me be led. Y'all laugh, but I did that one now. It didn't work. It didn't work. Don't do it. Abacadabra. And it didn't work. I just kept doing that till I got to 26 or whatever it was at. I tried to hold it, I couldn't. No, it's just story. Don't do, children, don't do this. That's why we dismiss the kids before I preach. Just. 
Some of you are like, that just might work. <laughs> no, I failed miserably, just to be clear. And it wasn't my, like, Bible test. <laughs> Some of you are like, if he treated the Bible like that. It was like math or something unbiblical. Anyway, um, it's not of God. Not of God. The blessed hope is not, I want to get this right on the test, and I want the Holy Spirit to cheat for me. The blessed hope is, I will hold on because he's been faithful. I was listening to that song we just sang a few minutes ago, and I found it odd when I first heard the song, he hasn't failed me yet. How many ever heard that and you ever went, yet? How many ever looked at that and said, yet? I understood as I heard what the author said about that. He said this. He said, he said uh, and I'm not going to quote it verbatim, but, but this is basically what he said. He says, when, I, when, when we wrote the word yet in there, it was because we were looking back at God's track record, not at where we stand right now. Because we often say, this hasn't happened yet in anticipation that it's going to. No, no, no. When the writer wrote it, he wrote it saying, he hasn't failed me yet. In other words, the person that was writing it was looking back saying, I'm looking at God's track record and he's not failed me any time till this point yet. So I can trust him. His track record speaks to the yet, not my anticipation like, oh, it hasn't happened yet. It's the same process of the blessed hope. It's not so much hope that it will happen, but hope in knowing that it will because he hasn't failed me. That's what the blessed hope is. It's understanding that he has been there for me. So who's ready for this word this morning? Amen. Who's ready? Amen. So for the next 90 minutes, what I want to share with you is based out of Revelation. You said amen. You said amen, not me. <laughs> Revelation chapter 8. No, it won't be 90 minutes, but, but, but let's, let's go through this. Revelation chapter 8. And let's check out the disaster that begins to happen and unfold here. Now, I won't read all of them because there's a lot of trumpets. All right? It's a lot like a band. It's like a band. In Revelation, there's a lot of trumpets. And I won't go into too many of those because it's, a, it's straight up like a lot. So, Revelation 7 verses 8 and 9 just kind of touches on the first two. And it says, now this just kind of gives you a picture of what's, what's to come and the first angel sounded his trumpet, and there came hail and fire. How many know that that's a bad trumpet at this moment? Like, hail, fire. Like, don't blow that trumpet again, please. Hail and fire mixed with blood hurled down to the earth, and the third of the earth was burned up. A third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Everybody say bad trumpet. Bad. Somebody hit a sour note. 
Verse 8, the second angel now comes up and sounded his trumpet and something like a huge mountain all ablaze was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea turned into blood, a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed, and 100% of me is scared. I looked at that, and I read that, and I'm going, wow. Now that is one powerful trumpet. And we go into what's called the series of a thirds. And we look at throughout the trumpets, and there's a third trumpet and a fourth trumpet, and it goes on a few different trumpets, and the judgment upon the earth took place. Now listen, what does that have to do with what we're talking about? I'm talking to you about God will judge sin, and everyone will give account to what we're responsible for. And this earth will receive judgment. A third, a third, and a third. A third of the sea will turn into blood. A third of the creatures in the sea died. A third of the ships were destroyed. That second trumpet. And that is what we see as calamity. True calamity to the proportion that none of us have understood. There's stuff going down, friends. And yet there are some good things that are going to take place. Because God is not done with his creation until he judges them. Now, let me be very clear. There is going to be a lot more calamity that is going to be be facing. Again, I cannot, for the sake of time, paint a full picture of what it is. It's um, It's kind of like if you see a piece of a painting... Or a piece of a puzzle. How many? My, my wife and I got a, a thousand piece puzzle, and over break, we did this with our family. We sat in the kitchen table, which cleared everything off the table, and we put this thousand piece puzzle, we dumped it on the table, and we started to put this together. Fifteen and a half hours later, we finished this thousand piece puzzle. It took us several days, about three days, right? Roughly. My wife and I sat with the kids. It was a great time. My kids lasted like, you know, an hour and a half. And they were like, we just want a break. Like, okay, go ahead and get a break. Come back. We understand. They never came back. <laughs> now, let me, let me bring some clarity. They came back and dabbled. Like, you know how like Thanksgiving time, when you eat this feast, and then you walk away like half comatose, and then you come back and just like pick at food? Ooh, queso. Mmm. Mmm, bologna. Mmm, Right? And then you go back to where you were. That's kind of what they did with the puzzle. They just kind of like, ooh, look, I found the piece. Ooh, I'm beat. And they walk away. And we're still there like, well, we got like 900 more to go. So, you know. The reason why I say all this is because we did that puzzle while we were looking at a picture. And it was high tech as you've ever seen. You've never seen so many iPads. We brought out every iPad took pictures of it, and then zoomed in, trying to find every inch you could. We had iPads all over the table. It was the most high-tech puzzle you ever seen in your life. Ask my wife. We had iPhones, and we had light. We were like, it was like scientific. 
And we were there. We were putting pieces together. We're like, okay, here's that section. Oh, I found this section. And we bring that section over. What am I talking about? Sometimes scripture has pieces, and you kind of have to bring it into this piece here. And it kind of fits a piece there. But then you don't know what's around it. You're just able to see certain pieces of it. And that's what this message is about. It's about showing you certain pieces of that. I can't give you the whole scope of Revelation. I don't have the time or the, the moment this morning to do that, nor anybody should have one sitting to preach all of Revelation. That's just not right. But we can show you a picture, and here's the picture. The picture of it was that you're going to be able to put together some things, and, and, and throughout the Bible, we see hints of what God is going to do. We see hints of how people are going to react. Look at me. When I talk about being between two prophecies, God gave in his word hints of how the Christians will react to end times. So that's where I kind of really want to bring a lot of my focus in on is how should we respond in between the two prophecies? How are we to live and what should we expect? You know what we should expect? We should expect that some things will try to draw us away from God. You should expect that. Things will discourage you. How many expect that? If you don't expect it, expect it and then raise your hand. Because you should. You should just expect it. Just, I understand that it's going to come. Calamity will come. Trials will come. People will lose their faith. That stuff will happen. But I, you have to also decide that that person will not be me. Are you with me? Is that right? That person will not be me. And so, 1 Peter 1, 10 and 11, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, search intently and with the, great, with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Every one of us needs to guard three things. And you're not going to see this on your notes, but if you're taking notes, write this down. Guard your heart. Guard your faith and guard your family. Guard your heart. Guard your faith and guard your family. And by family, I mean your spouse, your kids. And by family, I mean the people in this room as well. Because some of you, there are people in this room that are more family than the blood family that you own, that you know, and that are yours, right? There's people that I know in this room a lot closer than even blood family members of my own because we spent time. You feel what I'm saying to you this morning? Because the reality is if you don't guard your heart, nobody else will, Amen. right? If you don't guard your faith, nobody else will. And guess who's supposed to respond to their family? You, you're supposed to pray for your family and be understanding that everything has to be guarded in these last days. Friends, you see, we don't live here on the left side of the platform in the Old Testament waiting for the Messiah to come. And we don't even technically live on the right side of this because we wouldn't be here after the second coming. Or we shouldn't, at least. My prayer is that nobody in this room when Jesus takes his people home, none, nobody in this room is, is left behind. But I will be a fool to think that everybody listening to me right now will go to heaven. Mathematically, this doesn't work out that way. But you're responsible for you. 
So we don't live on the left side or the right side. We live in the between these prophecies. And what do we do with these prophecies? Because we live in the most precious time period between these prophecies. And that time is a time of grace. How many need grace in your life? Some of you are like, I work with a lady named Grace. And let me tell you something. She is not Grace. No, no, no. I'm talking about this grace period that we're living in. That we get to say, God, I'm struggling and I need your help. How many ever struggled in your Christianity? How many ever wrestled with your faith? How many ever said, God, are you listening? Come on, show of hands. If you did not raise your hand on that one, I really want to talk with you after service. Because I want to know what you're doing right. Because even me, as a pastor, listen, that doesn't exclude me. I have my moments where I'm feeling like, God, where are you right now? I don't. I don't feel like you're there. But we got to know he is by faith, right? So we are not to live in constant speculation of what is to come, but we live in truth. Because if we worry about what the next step is always going to be, we never get to live in the moment where God has called us to do something in obedience right now. If we always wait for the next, we'll never recognize the now. You hear me? I'm going to get what I'm saying. If you live in the next, you'll never live the now. So we got to live right here in the middle of the platform, right here, right here, in the dash, where we're saying, it's not when Jesus first came, it's not when Jesus comes again, it's right here in the middle. May I be intrigued by the end times prophecies. May I look into Revelation and go, wow, these amazing things are to happen. But understand that prophecies are the drive, not a distraction. The things that are to come should drive us to get our lives right with Jesus, not to distract us and focus so much on what's going to happen that we don't even recognize what's happening. Right now. Right now. What's happening at work? Right now. What's happening in your school? Right now. What's happening in your child's life? Right now. What are they teaching your kids at school? Right now. What are they teaching them? What are you being spoon-fed by the media? Does it fall in line with this? Does it fall in line with this? If it doesn't, turn it off. If it doesn't line up, turn it off. Come on, if you believe me, clap. I'm just... I just want to see if it worked. I wasn't sure. It works for the orchestrators. But anyway... But you hear what I'm saying, right? If it doesn't fall in line with God's word, I don't want it. I don't want it because there's an ulterior motive there. Here's here's the kingdom mentality. The kingdom mentality says, I want to do his will, the will of the Father. The world's mentality says, I have my own agenda. Come along. And that's what's being spoon-fed to our world today. Here's the insert media. Insert social media or anti-social media, right? Because we call it social media, but more people are anti-social because of it. You take a picture of your food, post it, make me hungry, but you never have to go out to eat with me. I like to sit with people physically. Enjoy food, enjoy talking one-on-one socially. When we take a picture, look at everything I got right. That's not, I'm not condemning those. I've taken pictures of my food because it's delicious. 
and I want to share it with the world. But that should never take the place of us gathering together. I'm so glad we have online opportunity. I'm so glad for our media team. How many have appreciated the fact of being online when, when you were home or something? You got to appreciate the word of God. How many appreciate that? Yeah? But here's what I want to tell you. Be, having an online presence is cool, but gathering together physically is biblical. So as soon as you get healthy, come back. Don't live in fear anymore. I'm telling you, listen, I'm not joking anymore. I'm not joking anymore because we've done this for two years. Two weeks to flatten the curve become two years. That's enough. The church needs to rise up and be biblical again. We need to love people, touch people, be around people. The enemy wants to isolate you from the world around you, the people that love you, the people that pray for you, the people that lay hands on you. The people that can pray anointing on your life. Friends, that cannot happen every single week in your pajamas, in your living room, sipping on a hot chocolate. The world needs a body of believers. Look at me. I'm not against hot chocolate. I like hot chocolate. (laughs) But you hear what I'm saying? The, The church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up now more than ever because the love of many will grow cold. And now more than ever, we need the church to rise up. I'm going to tell you how it is because I love you. And the Lord is not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Is that right? I found that in the book. It's in the book. I like what Max Lucado said this. God wants us to know we are saved. For saved people are a dangerous people. Willing to face off with the world, unafraid of the consequences, since they know that whatever happens, they will have eternal life. What does that mean? The people of God are dangerous when we start believing God. The people of God are dangerous when we start taking them at his word. We're living in between two prophecies. We cannot hide any longer. We cannot be isolated any longer. Are you hearing me? We need to stand up rise up and be the body of Christ he's called us to be. I'm so glad to see the house the way it's looking better now. But now we need to continue the urgency that is the saved people save people. Are you hearing me? Saved people save people. Now, pastor, I can't save anyone. No, you can't. But it's a saying that allows us to bring the gospel to someone in the same way that hurt people hurt people. God won't force you into salvation, but here's what he will do. He will lay an option before you. Choose me or the world. This is your choice. The Lord has a great desire for you to be saved, and with the mass chaos that's hitting the world right now, and it will get worse. It will get worse. As for me and my house, friends, we will serve the Lord. Do you want that in your home? Rise up, men of faith. Rise up, women of faith. Come and experience the glory of God. I love what Hosea 6, 6 said. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledge the, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. What does that mean? God doesn't want you to say, I'm sorry, 
and then come back. God wants you to be obedient the first time. God is more concerned with your obedience than your sacrifice. He's more obedient. He's more uh, focused on you saying yes to him right away, first chance, than eventually saying, okay, fine, have it your way. Because God is looking for that more than burnt offerings. God doesn't want your burnt offerings because you decided to go your own way for a lengthy period of time and I'll come to Jesus one day. That's not how it works. We should say yes when he says go. We should say yes when he says come, amen? Amen. Matthew 24, 4-14, I'm gonna read it like this. It's up on your screen or read it on your Bible. Matthew 24, 4. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. Don't be surprised. This is what he's saying, right? Don't be surprised. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. In other words, that's not the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are just the beginning of birth pains. And all the ladies said, oh my. (laughs) And I read on, verse 9, then you will be handed over to be persecuted. Who? Believers. And put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Persecution time is very real, friends. At that time, many will turn away from their faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Did you see that? I hate that word most. I wish it didn't say that. You ever known somebody that used to love Jesus and now they're on a whole different level? Isn't that hard? Friend, I don't want that for any one of you. I don't want that for my friends. I don't want that for my family. But persecution will bring out the worst in some and the best in others. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many because the increase of wickedness and love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end, what? Will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world. How do we do that without the internet? How do we do that? It's different now. When I was in school, we had AOL. Remember that? Remember that? You got mail. Remember that? The introduction of the internet. Young people are like, no, I just click and I go there. I don't know what you're talking about. Spoiled. You have no idea what it's like when you're online and someone will pick up the phone. Mess you up. Right? What happened? You picked up the phone. What? You know I was online. Don't pick up the phone. Young people are like, you couldn't do both? My response is, no. Spoiled. 800 megabits per second? I was lucky to get one. 
It's not like downloading something and seeing it go like this. It's a picture. Hello? Y'all don't know. Some of y'all young people don't know the struggle. First world problems. Where was I? Between two prophecies, I assume, somewhere. What I'm saying is, the gospel, that was the beginning of the, of the internet, and that opened up opportunities to be able to preach the gospel to the whole world. Listen, there are people that know the gospel now that would have never known the gospel had we not opened up that window. There's opportunities to grow and learn, and you need to take advantage of what is good and available to you. But understand, here's what the prophecy said, and I think we have this broken down for us here. Uh, on the next slide, that many will, when we live between two prophecies, hear the things that are to happen. Many will claim to be Messiah, verse 5. Many will be deceived, verse 5. Many will, uh, the nations will rise up against nation, verse 7. Famines and earthquakes will take place, verse 7b. And then that's just the beginning, right? And then you have then, then what will happen? Well, then, then there will be persecution, verse 9. And then many will turn away, verse 10. And then many will grow cold, verse 12. That's just, again, a snapshot. That's what we just read in a snapshot form. What do you see up there right now? Now, everyone, everyone, look up at the screen. Those of you online, those of you on the media, post this slide up for a second. I need you to look at this. One through four, and then one, two, and three. What do you see on that that's happening right now? Take a good look at it. Check them off. If you just how many? One? There are people that claim to be Messiah. Did that ever happen? Has that happened? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Long before today. Right? Has, have you known anyone that has been deceived by doctrine? Yeah? Okay. Nations rising up against nation. Hello? Right now. Famines. It's bad when they run out of Nutella, my friends. When Goya products are not available, Jesus is coming soon. Some of you are like, how did you turn this back into food again? Famines, earthquakes. What's next? Persecution, people turning away, growing cold. Friends, we're living between two prophecies and we have to be aware of what is happening around us. And here's what's happening around us. People are falling in their faith. And I said this to the team earlier and I'm gonna say this to you. This whole idea of deconstruction of our faith, have you heard this a lot lately? People that are of the faith for a long time, they're going, I'm deconstructing, I'm not, not, I don't believe in organized religion anymore. You know what failed them? Not organized religion, because organized religion has failed everybody. That shouldn't be something new, right? There's none of us are perfect here. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't bother anymore. Because there's none. Because as soon as you get there, you'll mess it up. I did that. 
because none of us are perfect. So what I'm trying to say to you today, friends, is this. We're living between two prophecies and we have to realize that many will grow cold. But we have to realize simply this. Look at me. Everyone look at me for a moment. My heart and the desire of this church is to get people closer to Jesus than we ever have before. That's the heart. We're not perfect. We're not going to get it all right. We don't have the best programs. We don't have the best programs in our area. We have churches around us right now that are doing amazing kids programs, amazing this program, that program. is much more amazing than us. But here's what we want to get right. Preaching Jesus and him crucified. And allowing people to come to Jesus. We want to get this right. We want to connect people to, the, to, the, to love God and to love people. And that's how we change your world. Right? That's how we change the world around us. So as I look at this slide, I think about it and I go, wow, how many people do we know that love has grown cold? And can that happen to me? You know where it started? When the Bible was no longer a priority. How do you fuel something when you don't throw anything in it? Right? Because even the largest of fires will need something to keep the fire going. No matter how big it is. Eventually, all that will turn to ash. And then what? So what I'm saying to you is, as a church, stay in the game. Pastor Corey said it beautifully a couple weeks ago. Right? It's game day. It's game day. Stay in the game. And here's what I'm saying to you. Stay in the faith. Get your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we will provide one for you. If you don't know what kind of Bible to get, ask. We have amazing leaders that will be able to help you. Myself, my wife, Pastor Corey, Nisa, we have a wonderful leadership. Sammy, Shane, anybody, one of our, any one of our board members, talk to them. Talk. I need a Bible that's going to help me. If you need a Bible, talk to us. Because if we don't get the word of God in us, guess what? We're getting something in us. If it's not the word, it's something else. And that's where people, their love will grow cold. Because they're not fanning the flames of God's glory in our lives. Between two prophecies. The Old Testament pointing to Jesus and his first coming. New Testament, Jesus coming and speaking of his return again. Now here we are. Jesus hasn't come back again yet, but he will one day. My question is, do you know him? And if you don't know him, this is where you got to pay attention. If you don't know him, you want to accept him as your Savior and your Lord. Now, I know many people in this room. Some of you I know more than others. But if you don't know Jesus, you need to get this part right. Accept him as your Savior and Lord and make him Lord of your life. How many agree that that's the first and biggest thing we could ever do in our lives? Amen? And if anything stands in your way from growing in Christ, ask yourself, is that worth eternity? If it's a person, a relationship, if they pull you down and all they do is pull you down, you need to take a good look at that relationship. If it's a job and all it does is pull you down, figure, find and pray through another way.
plain and simple. If you're in a situation that's drawing out from you more than giving you, take a good look at it. Jesus Christ is coming back again and we have no excuses. We don't. We really don't. We have to be able to say with a clear conscience, he is my savior, he is my Lord, period. And you know what? I've got my life right. I know when I came to Jesus, I said this before, I'll say it again. I came to Christ like 62 times my first year. I kept, I answered every altar call because I want to make sure I was right. Every week. Does anybody not know Jesus? I'm not sure. I want to come up anyway. I'm not entirely sure. I, I got really mad. I threw candy at my sister. Come on. I was 15 years old when I came to Jesus. 16 years old when I first really started to see God's gifting in my life. 16 years old when I was called to preach. 18 years old when I went to Bible school. I barely knew the story of David and Goliath. And here I am in Bible school. Right? God saved me, rescued me, dusted me off and said, I'm going to use you. Why? Because the world says, you know what? A young man like you with no father in the middle of the Bronx, New York, God can't use you. And watch me. And I can't tell you and I'm not going to what God has done with me from that day to this day. But I tell you what, it's nothing like I ever expected. I didn't expect any of that. Thank God, because he is the one who changes lives. Amen? I'm not perfect, nor will I ever claim to be. But here's what I do know. He is the only way to heaven. And he's the only way to be saved. So if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Tony, I'm not sure where I stand. I'm going to ask everyone in this room and everyone online, join me right now. Join me right now. Bow your heads with me all across this room. Those of you online right now, bow your heads with me for a moment. And I want you to ask yourself this question right now. I want you to say this to yourself. Say, me, do you trust Jesus? If you can say yes, that is a great response. If you're not sure, you can't say yes for sure. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right here, right now. Don't wait a single moment, but pray this prayer with me right now. I want you to say this with me. And, and those of you that are believers, I want you to say it too. Help me uh, to lead those that are praying this prayer for the very first time. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I need you to be my Savior. I need you to be my Lord. I accept that I'm a sinner. I believe you came and died for me. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my heart. Rescue me. I want to be saved, set free, and filled by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I give my life to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Angels in heaven are rejoicing for maybe one sinner that repented, maybe online, maybe here today. You said, I want to get right with God. Heaven rejoices at one sinner that repents. Maybe there's more. But Father, I pray for every soul that have prayed that prayer just now for the very first time. Would you just invite them Invite them into your presence. Let them know how important they are to you and that your death on the cross was for them. 
for them. I thank you, Jesus, for your loving grace in my life. I thank you that you saved me and you saved them and you saved us from all calamity that is to come. Lord, some things we will experience, but some things we will not. And God, I'm asking you today that if we were to ever stand before someone and they were to ask us to denounce you, that we would have the faith to say, I would never renounce the Savior, Jesus Christ, my Lord. And stand firm. May we be though that kind of person and those kind of people in the body of Christ. All across this room, stand with me one more time. With a hush across the room, just for a moment. Nobody moving, nobody leaving, nobody talking. Father, I pray your favor be upon your people. May your face shine upon them and and may your glory be bestowed upon them and their families. And may their households honor you in word, in deed, in song. May there be laughter and joy in our homes because of whom we put our trust in. And when the persecution comes, God, may we stand and endure because you are every bit the Savior we need and want. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. How many are glad that you live between two prophecies with the power of the Holy Spirit at your disposal? Yes? Let me say this to you before you go. When I, when I started to deliver this message, I know it was heavy. Some heavy moments even this morning. But you do all that you do through Christ who gives you strength and the Holy Spirit that is at your disposal to get rid of the things in your life that are not of him so that you can live for him and that you can lift up the name of Jesus in your daily life. So don't for a moment think that you're on your own. You have the Holy Spirit of God and the family of God in this place. Amen? God bless you, and uh, may you may you walk through your week as you love God, love people, change the world.